This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Will, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shot boots to official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And Chip, how you doing today, bud? Hey, doing well. We got uh, a little bit of everything out there this week, Casey. Kind of starting to get interesting, and uh, certainly the uh, weather's been nice over here in the Eastern Corn Belt, I know you guys have got some rain. Uh, it's been beautiful here, but we need some of that rain to come our way. Yep, I'm actually down here in Wichita, Kansas right now visiting some family, and they were dry as a bone for the most part, and they got about, well, this morning when I checked my father-in-law's rain gauge, there's about an inch and a half in it, so, and it's rained quite a while since, and so they might have gotten a little over two inches here in this Pacific area, and I was looking at the radar, and it's pretty much consuming the entire state of Kansas, except the you know the extreme western edge of the state, and even up in the Nebraska Panhandle this morning, they were getting some rain, and that was kind of stretching across the middle of the uh, of the Nebraska Corn Belt as well. So there's a fair amount of rain that for some areas that really needed it, kind of happening right today. Uh, yeah, very much so. And that definitely went in, probably held us back a little bit. Um, but even in spite of that rain, we, we really closed the market uh, really well. We had some news out uh, like overnight, early morning this morning on Friday that uh, the uh, trade one, uh, the phase one trade agreement, uh, China was going to pick up their buying pace. There's uh, kind of rumors that uh, their state uh, buyers are going to be looking potentially at some more corn. I've been buyers of beans here recently. Uh, wheat could be in the mix. There's been some talk about ethanol. Uh, you know, talk on both sides that, uh, yes, the phase one is still on and, um, we're running a little bit behind because of the, uh, you know, coronavirus issue across the world, but more specifically in China and the slowdown is caused there, but we're going to pick the pace up. And so seeing is believing, but that, uh, that story out, uh, kind of real early morning, uh, Friday was enough to give us some buying interest into the close. Pretty strong close for the week, corn and beans both. Probably beans especially, but uh, but corn as well. It's going to be the highest close we've had uh, in beans since just uh, eyeballing it here. Uh, March, uh, probably about the, uh, I don't know, 31st of March. So good to see that we're uh, up, uh, you know, at the high end of the range for the last uh, three months in beans. And uh, we'll see what the weather does. That's still going to have a big, uh, a big effect as well over the next two, three weeks to you know, see how much more rain comes, what the coverage levels are, if there's any heat that starts building. And, uh, again, uh, the eastern Corn Belt, we're on tap for maybe a little bit of rain tomorrow, but it's not going to be very widespread, and uh, we need rain. And so uh, this thing's getting really interesting. could, uh, you know, result in uh, probably a lot more volatility going forward the next two or three weeks. All right, so talk about some of these technical barriers that we're running into. So I've watched, been watching the corn market for the last, you know, three weeks, four weeks, pretty intently, and and we get above that that to that that three thirty three mark, and just can't seem to break through there. So, I guess as you look at see what's happening and what you see going on, once we get past that three thirty three three thirty five range, something like that, and get above that, 
do you feel like corn is going to is going to run for a little while, or do you kind of feel like that's going to be a hard buried buster? Yeah, no, we've essentially for twelve trading sessions here, we've been in a range from uh, three thirty four and three quarters on the top side in uh, July corn futures, and then on the bottom side, the three twenty four and a quarter. So basically, ten and a half cent range over the last twelve days, just chopping back and forth in there. So that line in the sand to the top side is, uh, you know, essentially 335. We can see a close above there. The funds have a big, uh, basically borderline record short position, about 300,000 contracts that the funds are short. And uh, if you can see that close above 335, um, first of all, it probably means something is going wrong with the forecast in some part of the corn belt. And then secondly, uh, you know, the funds uh, are really loaded up, and if they run for the exit uh, all at once, the door is not big enough to contain them, so you could easily see a run, uh, maybe up into the uh, mid to upper uh, 340s, maybe challenge 350. Coming in a first notice here in about a week and a half, I believe, for the July, so it'll be a little bit of a transition there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you hit the nail on the head. The, the market's well off the lows. We're slowly grinding in a kind of a sloppy uptrend in corn, and we got to get north of 335. And if you do, I think that'll kind of build some buying momentum and, and uh, you know, spur some short covering by the funds to maybe give us a, a run up towards 350. Uh, but, again, you know, on the bottom side of this, kind of a trend line that's built up. I don't really want to see a close, um, you know, much below uh, three and a quarter uh, on the July. That would probably start, uh, you know, turning the trend back lower and uh, adding to the downside momentum as well. So we're really... Uh, Seems like every year, Casey, you know, with all the uncertainty of the weather, uh, happens every year. Will it rain? Where? How much? Will it get hot? Um, it, it gets really challenging um, and hard to kind of predict what the next move is going to be in this market. How much is ethanol playing into this into this grind that we're seeing here? This this flirting with that three thirty five number. You know, ethanol consumption has has steadily gone up week over week at every report that comes out. Um, but it doesn't seem like it's having that much of a of an effect on the on the maybe it's maybe it's stabilizing the corn market a little bit. But I guess how, how do you see ethanol playing in the picture right now? Yeah, it's certainly uh, come back a lot faster than what uh, my initial fears were. We're certainly nowhere back uh, to normal. We typically grind uh, a little over a hundred million bushels uh, a week on average during this time of year, and I think we're only back into the uh, low eighties. Uh, but that, that is, is, is good to see. That's exciting to see that it came back that uh, fast. At the lows, I think we were 60 or under, um, maybe even into the, into the mid to upper 50 uh, million bushel range for a few weeks there. So that has come back. People are starting to get back out on the road. Gasoline demand's going up. As a result, that's got the uh, ethanol demand increasing. So it, it stabilizes. I think it's one of the reasons why the market stopped going down and you know, has been a little bit of an uptrend in here. Uh, our export sales this week weren't very stellar, but that was overshadowed by some hopes that China's going to start being a bigger buyer, maybe of uh, some corn and possibly ethanol as well. And so if that's the case, that will uh, definitely help the cause. But it's, uh, it's a little bit of a wait-and-see approach. You know, we've heard that story off and on again uh, probably a dozen times in the last 18 months. Uh, yes, we're going to buy it. Yes, there's an agreement. Uh, everything's good. You know, it's uh, kind of like talk is cheap. Let's see the, uh, you know, the, the evidence of that. So, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't want to be too pessimistic, but we've heard that song and dance before about China, you know, going to step up their purchases and be massive buyers. But uh, seeing is believing, I guess. So hopefully they'll show up on the buy side in the export sales in the next few weeks. Yep. All right, so we had a Catalan feed report come out today. Um, didn't seem like it made that big of a splash in the overall outcome of the market today, but there are more more cattle getting through the uh, – the slaughter funnel there and uh start to see more of those come off the feet so i guess talk about that a little bit yeah we uh have seen these kill numbers the last few weeks increase a real wild ride um on the livestock side so you know plants being shut can't get animals killed uh can't get uh, you know product uh, in product into uh you know the consumer's hands or or whether that's through restaurant channels and or uh, when during the shutdown, the, um, you know, retailers, grocery stores. And so you had a huge run up, basically the record prices as far as boxed beef goes and pork product, pork cutout. Started slowly opening up the, uh, you know, packing plants, increasing the kills. They're, they're not 100% back to normal, but they're getting really close. And as a result, you saw the, uh, the, the supply increase and, you know, the boxed beef and pork product markets, uh, just implode. And so there's been a, a lot of fluctuations there. The market's really just searching for some stability, starting to get that a little bit. It appears that the cash cattle market wants to try to stabilize in this $100 range or slightly above. Did have a cattle on feed report out uh, here uh, just about 20 minutes ago, like you mentioned, Casey. Um, it was just kind of so-so, to be honest with you. It might have been uh, a touch on the bearish side. Um, let me get these numbers out here. Cattle on feed is 99.6. The average estimate was 99, but a touch higher. Uh, the placements were a little bit higher, too, uh, 98.7. The average was 97.5, and the marketings were just a, a, a tick lower as well than expected, 72.5 versus 73.8 expected. So a it, it, little bit of a, of a bearishly construed cattle on feed, but the market struggled a little bit this week. A lot of this might be in the market already. The cash market's going to dictate it here. If we uh, have further to fall next week in the cash market in cattle, then the uh, you know the futures are going to follow. And uh, likewise, if we stabilize this thing and can see you know a, a little bit of an uptick in cash market or box beef, the market I think will quickly look uh, look b- beyond this cattle on feed report, and it'll be a you know a thing of the past quickly. So, cash market and box beef probably dictate next week. Hog market seeing a lot of weakness here as well. New lows for the front end, pretty ugly as that uh, supply has increased. You know, we've backed hogs up and slowed them down, and, and weights have increased. So as the kill has gone up, the pounds are, 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 you know, driving higher quickly as well because our weights are up. So we're suffering again from some oversupply there. Uh, got a hogs and pigs report. That's a quarterly report. It comes out next week. Uh, that's going to be uh, pretty closely watched to see how much uh, liquidation across what different weight classes uh, we're seeing, particularly south slaughter. Uh, that's going to be closely watched as well. It's hard to really peg that. You know there was some out there. You heard news of it. But uh, this hogs and pigs report next week could really, um, you know, either, number one, pressure us if we didn't see as much liquidation as hoped, uh, or go a long way if we see a lot of feeder pig uh, liquidation, which we know there was some of that, as well as south slaughter. If those numbers are higher than expected, that could go a long way towards stabilizing the hog market, and the deferred hogs are kind of expecting that. We know there was some liquidation. We're maybe not sure how much 
deferred out into, you know, winter and next spring, out in next summer, a year from now, those charts look a lot better and a lot more support out there, just likely because we're going to decrease the supply a little bit because of all the liquidation right now. But uh, that's a that's always a wildly volatile report, and that's, uh, that's next week, the quarterly hogs and pigs, and that'll have uh, a big influence on the hog trade next week, especially late next week. So we're right in the middle of wheat harvest here, down here in Kansas. Looks like they're well underway. They're probably 50% of the way done where I'm at um, right now. So I guess as you, with all the talk that we've had about freezes and too much rain and not enough rain and all the different stuff we've seen wrong with the, with the wheat market here in the, in the U.S. wheat belt, what are some of the estimates that you're seeing come out of uh, the wheat harvest and is our expectations where they thought they'd be? Yeah, it's a mixed bag, um, and I think the the market's really hanging on uh, getting a little more harvest data out of Kansas. I don't think we're quite uh, quite far enough into harvest uh, out your way to get a get a good feel. So I think that's out ahead of us. The, the wheat market really took a big hit this week, really over the last two weeks. But I think the thing on Monday afternoon of this week, um, crop conditions, uh, the market, I, I think, had a, every right to assume and expect it. Wheat crop conditions go lower, particularly in Kansas, because of the hot, dry weather you guys have been having out there. And in fact, it actually improved, um, you know, in uh, in Kansas and Colorado and another state or two as well. Kind of a head scratcher because the Kansas corn crop conditions uh, dropped three or four percentage points. The, the wheat conditions increased, and so that's a little bit of a head scratcher. I think it took the the wheat market by surprise, caused a lot of selling pressure earlier in the week, stabilized a little bit here. From a seasonal standpoint, you're really close to uh, the normal time frame where we put in our kind of quote-unquote uh, harvest low. So that's something to keep on the radar. But uh, I guess a long answer, Casey, is the, the market uh, is awaiting some more uh, actual harvest data out of Kansas. Um, you know, it might be a week, 10 days out, so we get a little better, a little better feel. Everything you've heard so far has been pretty variable. That's not uncommon uh, for wheat especially. Um, you know, out this way, not that we matter much in the, in the big picture on wheat, but it is really variable. We had uh, two freeze events. Uh, we had, uh, you know, some excess uh, rainfall in some areas uh, early on in the, in the spring here. And so you are seeing some really highly variable yields here. A little bit, maybe a little bit on this point, not, nothing just major, uh, no, no major, uh, you know, friendly yield surprises here as far as uh, the, the size of yields, they've been, you know, just okay to a little bit disappointing. But uh, Kansas drives this, um, it, and, and long story short, we need more information out of them. Hopefully we'll get that as that harvest advances north over the next couple of weeks. Good stuff. All right, Chip, well, good stuff as usual. If uh, plenty of stuff going on right now where people need to have a plan in place or a lot of people need to be reevaluating what they've got in place so far. So I guess as as harvest we're kind of rolls through here and we start looking into uh, fall harvest coming up, what's the best way to get a hold of you to work on a plan or just check a plan that they've got or maybe just look at some different options that are available out there? Yeah, best way is just give us a call at the office. That's 309-550-7213. Uh, Casey, you and know, I preach on it all the time, uh, you know, on this podcast. you got to have a plan. Got to know where you're at. Uh, you can't walk away or stick your head in the sand as it relates to risk management in the market. So uh, we'd love to talk to you. Just give us a call. No obligations or or pressure. Uh, love to hear from you. Three zero nine five five zero seven two one three. Right on, Chip. Let's ship now and get with Blue Leaf Ag Marketing.
And I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest information about the Moving Iron Podcast and all the, all the uh, upcoming podcasts uh, that will get placed there. Also, check out movingironllc.com for everything that is Moving Iron related. And also, check out the uh, Moving Iron Summit page. That's Nashville, Tennessee, September 1 through 3. And also, uh, make sure you guys give Tractor Zoom a shout. They have uh, a lot of great information. If you're in the equipment business and you need to have an easy way to figure out what's going on in the auction market. Uh, there's nothing better out there than what's happening with um, with the folks over there at Tractor Zoom. I like to use them because I can see year over year um, inventories as far as uh, auctions go and where what are where are some hot spots as far as equipment go and, and what what's happening out there with different models. So make sure you check them out. There's a wealth of information and I use them up there at the dealership and uh, can't say enough good things about them. So if you're looking for a good place to find auction data that is current and past data from about 400 different auction companies, check out Tractor Zoom. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century Hardworking people working hard for you and me Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving on